Welcome to C-Buzz, Columbus's first business-focused podcast presented by the Columbus Chamber of Commerce and Capital University. I'm Michaela Hunt, brand journalist and your host for C-Buzz. This really is the show where we bring you the best stories from the Columbus business community, hands down. We're returning after just a little bit of a hiatus, so we thank you for joining us again. Or if you're just listening for the first time, we're happy to have you here too. We're coming to you from our new home at Capital University's Convergent Media Center. The center is a collaborative space where faculty and students from diverse areas of study, from music and film to creative writing and digital media, are really empowered to work together in new and exciting ways. So we're so happy to be in this space. And we're really stoked to talk today to Mark Henson, Chief Imagination Officer at Sparkspace. Mark, hi. Hi. Thanks for stopping in with us today. You're welcome. You were smiling when you gave my title there. I, I love Chief Imagination Officer. Bec- I, I always tell people that when you own your own business, you can call yourself whatever you want. And that's what I wanted to call And that's so. what you are the CIO. I'm the CIO. With imagination as the I. Yep. <laughs> so Sparkspace is this really one-of-a-kind meeting space designed where teams, I like to say, can escape their office to think, create, and collaborate. I visited you a few times. But you're also now an author. Yes. How did it feel to add that to your resume? Uh, you know, so many people had told me for years, you should write a book. You should write a book. Everybody from my wife to friends, family. And I just, because you just never get one out. And I, I started several over the years and I just, I'd get two or three chapters in. And then I finally landed on this topic that I really loved and I wanted to pursue. And I finally just muscled my way through. It's not the biggest book in the world. It's 124 pages, but that's that, consumable. Like the I'm longest so glad. term paper ever, really. It you know? truly is. <laughs> right. Well, we're going to dive into a little bit about the book yep. today, definitely in our conversation. Um, but first of all, I just want you to tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of where you're from and how you got here to doing what you're doing in Columbus, Ohio with Sparkspace. Well, that's probably not the best way to start off, actually, because I'm from Ann Arbor. Ooh, you're you are not the only person <laughs> with the Michigan connection to sit in that chair. If that yeah. makes you feel any better, I've lived in I lived in Ann Arbor till while I was in first grade. We moved from Ann Arbor out to a little town just outside of Ann Arbor called Chelsea, which is where the actor Jeff Daniels is from yes. and still lives. That's our big claim to fame. And uh, so I lived in and around Ann Arbor all the way through high school. And then I went off to college in Oklahoma to Oklahoma Christian College. And then from there, bounced around a little bit, moved to Lansing, Michigan, and uh, was in radio broadcasting there. I was, a, I was a disc jockey in Oklahoma City first, then Lansing. So you're our perfect guest today, basically. Yeah, I feel like I'm at home, <laughs> only this is way nicer than any studio I ever worked in in my entire right? career. Right, this so, Convergent Media Center. Yes, and this is college. Like, I was working in professional radio, and we didn't have all these, these bells and whistles. <laughs> So I'm extremely jealous and grateful at the same time to be in here. Um, And then we landed in Columbus. My wife got a job in Columbus uh, after being in Lansing for a couple of years. And we've been here ever since. And we put down roots here and I started a business here. We have a family here and all of that. My, we got my parents to move away from Ann Arbor to come down here. And so we're all here. That's a big claim right there. If yeah. you got them to move into Columbus, that's exactly. pretty amazing. My dad still watches, you know, he'll watch Ohio State and kind of sort of root for Ohio State unless they're playing Michigan. And then, but he never misses a Michigan game on TV. It's about the only team he roots for. 
Well, there we do have a bit of a mixture here in yeah. Columbus, so it's it's all right. People in Columbus don't want to they don't want to admit this, but Columbus and Ann Arbor are not that different. Ooh. I know that's the, them's fighting words. I'm they, sure. They, but... Yeah, I know someone's gonna hear that and say and think that. That's exactly. <laughs> but right. having lived in both, I mean, they're both really really cool towns. Well, Columbus, you know, is pretty amazing, and that's the wonderful thing that when we when we do these shows, these episodes, we get to talk so much about that. And, and you've decided, as you put it, to put down roots here. So for you. Was Sparkspace that first business idea, or was there something kind of before that, before Sparkspace was created? I actually started a DJ business in high school. My best friend and I, from the time I was in first grade, when we got into high school, um, we had been talking about this idea, and I couldn't really do it because I was playing basketball, and it, all of the dances and everything happened during basketball season. So I couldn't really launch that with him at the time I wanted to until my junior year and I got cut off the basketball team. And it was one of those pivotal moments in life where that day I was so crushed and I was laying in bed that night and my dad came in and this is my, one of my favorite stories of my dad and just how, how awesome and cool he is and just how he just knows how to make something out of nothing. Right. He walks in and literally all he said was, so what are you going to do now? And I had never thought in my life I could do anything but play basketball at that point. And so I was like, I don't know, but it really got me thinking about, well, maybe I can do this DJ thing. And so I launched this DJ business with my friend. We did it for two years and then we sold it to an upcoming uh, kid behind us in school. And then I moved on. And uh, so that was the sort of start of my uh, entrepreneurial career there. High school. Yeah. And it was fun. We made a ton of money. In high school. In high school, yeah. And you sold the bit. The business got acquired. We, I we love got it. acquired. We basically <laughs> sold the speakers and the mixing board and the turntables that we had at the time, and that was it. And then uh, other stuff I've done, like uh, another buddy of mine and, and myself, we actually sold Buckeye necklaces on the side while I was working, you know, at a real job. But I had a Buckeye tree in my backyard at our the first house that we bought here in Columbus. And if you've ever had a Buckeye tree, they drop millions of Buckeyes, and it's a it's really a nuisance. If it's in your yard and Cause you can't mow over those, you can't mow over. You, ha- you have to rake them up. You have to pick them up. So we, my buddy and I would actually rake them up, put them in my garage on the floor, let them dry out for a couple of weeks. We drill holes in them, string them up, take them down to Ohio state football games, <laughs> sell them for five bucks a piece and then drink beer and, you know, eat hot dogs and, and then go back home. So I mean, that is, that is a, a long distance from Sparkspace <laughs> in terms of concept. But you know what? I, I, when I started Sparkspace, I actually employed some of the rules that we made up. Because while we were drilling Buckeye necklaces uh, on, on Friday nights, we were making up all these rules of business. <laughs> like, you have to keep the pricing simple. So we made our, our necklaces five bucks. So when I got to launch a real business down the line, I actually thought about that. We have to keep everything simple. We have to keep the pricing simple. We have to make it a no brainer for people. All these things that my buddy Mike and I joked about and talked about in our sort of fictional Buckeye necklace empire, I actually put into practice later on. Well, I like the simplicity of that because I mean, as, as I mentioned, Sparkspace is a great space to go and incubate. That's what I usually say when I'm have a group that's going there and I'm part of it. And there's a lot of meeting places around central Ohio. So the fact that you want to keep it simple in terms of business, but yet this creative, this really creative element to it, you know, 
I feel like that sets you apart, but what do you feel like sets you apart? That's certainly the creative environment. That's what I started out to do was provide this space that most people don't get to work or, or live or play in every day. Certainly not work in because even though offices have changed over the years and they are more collaborative than they used to be and they're more colorful and fun and, you know, the dot-com world really helped that along a lot. But still, most offices are pretty boring places. Most cubicles are still gray, you know, uh, and I wanted to create something that had a very different vibe and environment. So when you came in, you really felt like, wow, this is going to be different. We can let our hair down. We can actually possibly even have a little bit of fun during a meeting. Um, that was kind of unheard of at the time. So we created that environment. That's certainly one of the differences. And to me, the simplicity is another one. We try to keep everything super simple. So when we're dealing with somebody who's planning a meeting, we've taken all the work off of them. I mean, we just make it so simple for them to just call us and say, we need a meeting. We need to do this. And we take care of all of the details. We have one flat price that we give them for it. And it's just, it's a no brainer for them. Like I said, all those things I learned way back when. When you were drilling Buckeyes. Yeah. So, you know, I know it sounds trite to say, but the, the service angle of it, the, the customer service that we do, I think it's different because... We're, we don't do reactive customer service. We do very proactive customer service. We look ahead and say, what would people need? Let's put that in place so they never have to ask for it. So it's already there. That's how we design the space. It's how we design every system or process that we have. It's how all of our, we call our, our guest relations actually guest happiness because that's what we're after. We want people to feel happier after they've experienced us than when they first came in the door or when they first made that phone call. True story, I forgot a charger to my laptop when I had to present yeah. at Sparkspace for a group. And you know what? My, my charger was 25 minutes away at home, but Mark and his crew had it. Yeah. Had the charger for my laptop. <laughs> and it's there's one of those so things, af after you see that happen a few of. times, you're like, we should probably have a few of these laying around. And so we were pro very proactive about that, made sure we have that stuff. Now, you know what helps there? Is that a lot of people leave them behind. <laughs> So after a while, yeah. we didn't have to buy them anymore. We just have them in the lost and found and we loan them out to people. As so, needed. Yeah. So that's a little secret. No, that's nice. So for, for those people who haven't kind of left the nest, their corporate nest to do a meeting like this, so to speak. I, well, that's my question. So what do you see? What is the results that you see? I, I mean, I know you're kind of in and out helping them in, with the meetings, but what is the reaction? What are the results after a team comes in and has a meeting together in your space. Yeah. Our goal is to help every, every group that comes in have their best meeting ever. That's, that, that's what we talk about internally all the time. And so when we get to see that, what it looks like is we don't always know that the actual results or the, those, those real tangible, like we got from point A to point B today. And when we, you know, increased our sales by a million percent or anything like that. But what we see is we see smiling faces coming out of the rooms. We see a higher level of energy than you would ever expect at the end of a meeting. Usually at the end of a meeting, people are exhausted. They can't wait to get home. They're beating a path to the door so they can get in their car and then get out of there. But they linger a little bit. They hang out. They engage and talk with us. That's how we know when there's been a really good meeting is they're just happy and excited and chatty and everything else at the end of the day. And it happens a lot. So you guys have had the opportunity to work with a, a lot of different groups around town and beyond. I mean, you have a pretty long list of impressive guests at Sparkspace. Who've been some of the most 
interesting that you can name or talk about? Is, is, is Are there some that you've had that have come and... Yeah, there's, uh, we talk about this a lot, like who are our favorite guests? Uh, and we have some that come back over and over, like Abercrombie. They do a lot of their leadership development sessions at Sparkspace, and they've been doing that for years. So we really have gotten to know the facilitators of that program uh, really well and consider them friends of ours. You know, I mean, that's that's always really awesome when we've known somebody long enough and we've had that connection where it's like a homecoming every time they come in. It, it's that welcome back feeling. So I'd say Abercrombie's one for sure. Um, we love it when there are guests that are doing really interesting things. Like we do a lot of um, yeah, like marketing companies and people that are developing things. And when they bring in, you know, giant boards full of ideas and new products and all of that, you know, it's really fun to, to pretend that we, we played a part in bringing interesting, fun, new things to the world. Um, Way back in the day, the most interesting thing that probably has ever happened is uh, somebody rented the space to do a an adoption transfer. It's really quirky really? and weird and probably will never happen again. But it was this mediator person who kind of facilitated this literal handoff of an adoptive baby to the adopted parents from the birth mother to the to the adopted parents. It was the most beautiful, gut-wrenching you name it, every emotion in the room. Uh, and it was really cool. I actually probably don't want to do that kind of business because it's way too emotional. I, was, I have goosebumps as you're talking about it. We focus only on business meetings now, but that was way back when we started. And it's still to this day, it's like 15 years later is, is, uh, is the most memorable thing that's ever happened there. Well, it was someone who appreciated the positivity and the beauty of the space that you have. I mean, yeah. it's just such a good feeling space to be in. That's why she came there. She said, I, this doesn't feel right to do this in a, in a cold hotel room or some, some real sterile environment. I want the woman who set it up, wanted it to be in a place where everyone felt very relaxed and comfortable as possible in that in that crazy situation. So. And that's what you get there. So, you know, you have this list of already established clientele. What really is your approach to attracting new clients while still maintaining that list? Yeah, that's that's a big challenge. It's a big challenge for any company and and we deal with that every single day. We talk we talk about it in every staff meeting every Monday. Um, my marketing director focuses a, a huge part of her attention on that because we have a very high return rate and we, we do lots and lots and lots of meetings. We do like a thousand meetings a year. So we don't need a ton of new business to maintain what we've got. Uh, but we always want to grow and we, we have plans to, to continue to grow. So, um, right now, some of the things that we're doing is that we're doing a lot of, uh, optimization of our website. Because uh, one of the things that we found is that that's where everybody starts a search for a meeting. We need a meeting. We need a place to meet. So everybody Googles. And so we're spending a ton of time and energy and money trying to figure out how do we show up in the search engine rankings? And I know that that sounds very probably typical and that's what everybody's trying to do. But I have to say, like, we've been really working hard on that. We've been working with a, a company in town here called the Media Captain, uh, who has been helping us do that. And we have seen tremendous uh, increase in our traffic and our search engine results. SEO is critical. SEO is, it is critical. I mean, I, I didn't want to believe it for a long time. We found out that that's where everybody finds out about us. Um, it's either that or word of mouth. 
traditional media advertising, all of that stuff really doesn't do anything for us. It, you know, it might help bolster our brand a little bit, but yeah. it doesn't drive business. Word of mouth and SEO are the two, the, no, the number one and number two things. And the word of mouth comes from us just busting our butt every day to help people have their best meeting ever. If they leave there and it was their best meeting, they go back, they tell their administrative assistant, and we, we bump to the top of her list for the next time they need a meeting. And that's how we, that's how we have such a high return rate. So talk to me a little bit more about this growth factor that you were kind of alluding to there a minute ago. I mean, so how do you measure success from here on out? You're doing a thousand meetings a year. Uh, people are coming into your space. What's the bar? Where do you go? Yeah. Uh, and then there's a point where you sort of cap out because space is a commo- it's a commodity, right? We've got five rooms right now. We have plans to add one, possibly two more in the next year. And even then, you'll max out of that eventually. So what do you do? Um, We've got a ways to go before we completely max out of all of our rooms, which is a good thing. So we have room to grow before we have to really think about busting out of our building or going to a second location or possibly another city or something like that. So our immediate plans are to expand our our capacity where we are. We're actually um, optioning a space right down the hall from where we are, which will be another great size room for us that has an amazing giant window that looks out at the nationwide arena plaza. And so as soon as they said that they were thinking about leaving, we're on the phone with the real estate agent going, we want that space. (laughs) Don't give it to anybody else. And so right now we're kind of in the middle of negotiating all of that. And I'm excited about that because then I get to build something new there. I love to build and I love to design and I love to do all that. Um, so that's one thing is, is we're increasing that capacity because we found out that we actually miss a lot of meetings, even though we're not at full capacity. So this is a really weird thing that we discovered along the way that, um, there are just certain days that people want to have meetings and certain days they don't like not days of the week necessarily, but like these weird funky days throughout the year where if we had five, six, 10 more spaces, we could fill them all because we get that many calls for these weird days. So we know we can grow by just increasing capacity um, and taking on some of those meetings that right now we have to turn away. Now, you have an interesting story with the chamber because you were a member and then you weren't for a little while and you came back again. Yes. And there was real purpose with coming back again and the experience you've had has been really great for your business. It sounds like, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Early, early on. So Sparkspace was started in 2000. And so that's a long time. It's uh, almost 18 years by this point. And, um, Early on, one of the things I did was I joined the chamber probably two or three years into the business, thinking that was a really good thing to do and I could do some networking. And I I, honestly, at that time, I didn't even really know what the chamber did um, or what they could do for me or what I could do for them or any of that. I just, I just, everybody was telling me, telling me to join the chamber. So I joined the chamber thinking that uh, I could at least go to a few networking events or whatever. And then didn't, I maybe went to one or two, didn't really go, didn't really use it. After being a member for, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple of years, I realized that I was putting nothing into it. It was just a membership that we had that I was paying dues on and I was getting nothing out of it because I wasn't, I wasn't extracting anything out of it, but then I also wasn't participating or doing anything for it. So I got rid of that to save the money, to be honest with you, and did the same thing with Experience Columbus, uh, you know, the Convention and Visitors Bureau here that, um, wasn't using it either. So we kind of dropped all of that to save a little money and free up a little energy, I guess. And then a few years ago, after building up the staff and building up the business for several years, uh, 
uh, without being a member, decided that we'd give it another shot and see what happens because um, we felt like there were some opportunities. The chamber's obviously grown and changed a lot over the years and has done a lot more in terms of uh, being able to provide resources and research and all kinds of things. The, the thing that we found when we went back and, and explored the chamber again was they offered so much more than we were ever aware of. And so they've helped uh, now since we've rejoined, not only, you know, they share some of our information and, and we contribute some blog posts and things like that, which gives us great exposure. They're definitely cheerleaders for us. We're hearing all the time from people that they found out about us through the chamber or the chamber had been talking us up and really, you know, uh, giving us the thumbs up. Uh, so that's always really good to hear. Um, the calendar of events, things like that, that we can always post to those, those are helpful. Um, and, uh, they helped me as a business owner, um, determine some salaries. It was one of the things really? I, didn't, I didn't know they did was they, they can do all this research. So I called up the chamber and I said, Hey, I, I have a couple of positions I want to create and some people I need to put in these positions. I have no idea what to pay them. And I was looking around, and of course, if you Google something, all you get is very general or national information. So they said, oh, we can help you with that. They did a little research within a few days. I had an exact number of what I probably should be offering somebody for these positions. And it turned out great. It was like, it was exactly the right amount of money. Everybody was happy. And again, I would have never known that if it hadn't been for the chamber. So along with your business, you develop quite a following with your book. It is Ordinary Superpowers Unleash the Full Potential of Your Most Natural Talents. So, okay, how did you know that you needed to write this book? Besides being told over and over and over I should write a book, um, I and doing it, trying to do it over <laughs> and over and over again. It was one of those things where I experienced uh, the content of the book before I wrote the book. I had gone through this process of really waking up to and accepting my own ordinary superpowers and realizing what that did in my life and how it changed uh, the impact I was having and the enjoyment I was having on uh, that I was having at work and, and in the activities that I, that I was participating in. And it was just so powerful to me to sort of wake up to those powers for myself and accept those and say, you know, that's, that's really how I'm wired. Um, and I should be spending my time doing those things, using those powers, participating in those kind of activities and having such a difference in my life. I'm like, I got to share that with people. Like best way to do it is to write a book. Um, I developed a workshop first to sort of test out the idea of, does this resonate with anybody else? And I ran a workshop at Sparkspace on, um, using your developing and using your superpowers. It's nice when you have a space, you can do it. And yeah, it's very luxurious. <laughs> I'll tell you to be able to go, you know, yeah, we have this beautiful, beautiful space we can play in. Um, and that went over so well that I decided that I would just use that as the initial outline for the book. And then I wrote the book. And one of the most beautiful things about writing a book is and, and, and I think this is why I didn't ever finish a book before is because I thought I had to have it all done before I wrote it. Does that make sense? Yes. It, I, it had to all be in my head before I could actually put, put it, it on, on paper. paper. Mm -hmm. And for me, it doesn't work that way. I know some people can envision a book from start to finish and then go put it on paper. But to me, the book sort of unveiled itself as I wrote. And I finally decided that the way it works for me is, is when I write, I think. And it's a, they're complementary processes. The more I write, the more I think, and the more I think, the more I write. And so 
eventually by doing that process and, and letting myself think and write at the same time, instead of having to have all the answers before I started, that's how I finally finished the book. Now it took me a year and a half from start to finish, from my initial launch into an outline to getting the book in my hands. It took about a year and a half, but well worth it for me. I, I really enjoyed the process. So if, I mean, we have a lot of business owners who are thought leaders. And so you, it's possible to be a busy business owner and to do this yourself, to be yeah. able to outline it and to be able to write it in that, the way you kind of described it. Yeah. And I know a lot of, a lot of people that do stuff like this on the side and they squeeze it in at night or early in the morning before they do the real job, that kind of thing. Um, I, I had the luxury of a really, really good team in place to run the business while I can run off and do other things. And that's the way it operates now is I'm kind of the figurehead. I'm kind of the face still of the business and I'm definitely the visionary leader, but I don't run the business anymore. Like I have a team that does an amazing job running the business and that frees me up to do podcast interviews and, um, and do some different kinds of networking. And now I've kind of launched into doing some, some personal coaching for people and that kind of stuff, which I never would have been able to do before because I was so busy running the business. Well, thank you, team. They're yeah, the reason oh, you're my, here today. My team's today. amazing. So why, I, I don't want to give away the book because I want people to be able to check it out, but why, I just wanted to ask you, why are we not unleashing the full potential of our natural talents? What, what is our issue? What, what is, why aren't we getting there? The number one issue, that, well, there's, there's two, but the number one issue is, is revealed in the title of the book. It's called Ordinary Superpowers. And the reason I called it that is because these powers that we have, probably our top two or three or four most natural abilities where we get the most impact, our true sort of superpowers, they are so natural to us and so wired into us, we don't recognize how special they are. It's just what we do. It's, the, it's how we act and how we react every day. And we've never stopped to, to realize that those things set us apart. They're special. Not everybody has them. Like one of mine is exploring new ideas. I love to brainstorm. I love to create. I love to do all that. I assume everybody loves to do that. And it is so not true. Likewise, I, I know other people that their main superpower is like organizing vast amounts of information. And it might show up in spreadsheets or show up in reports or computer files or however they, however they like to do that. And they assume everybody has that same superpower. I don't have it. That is not in my wheelhouse at all at organizing massive amounts of information. So everybody has their own little set. And what makes it beautiful is that yours is very unique to you, especially the combination. You might have one or two or three that overlap with other people, but the combination, the way that you use them and put them together is probably unique out of the 7 billion people on the planet. It's like a fingerprint. It really is. Do you have another book in you? Uh, I don't know. It's, I'm, I, I'm not going to rule it out. Is there a follow-up to this? There, I have this whole concept of a superpowered life. So on my blog, I talk a lot about a lot of different things besides just superpowers, but they all wrap around this idea of living the life that you were meant to live. It's not necessarily all about success or grant, you know, grabbing some epic vision of the future. It's about, are you living the life that really lights you up? a life that when you get to the end of it, you'll look back on and say, yeah, that was, that was meaningful. That, I, that was a life well lived. It doesn't have to be epic and legendary. It can be as boring as you want it to be, as long as it's the life that really lights you up and everybody's motivated and driven differently. 
And everybody has their own set of superpowers, and that's certainly one key component. Superpowered life. I like that. So between SparkSpace and, and the writing that you've done and your personal commitments, I know you have family, you have two daughters, friends and hobbies. How do you really, for you, establish a productive I, I hate to say work-life balance. I've used the words work-life integration because I feel like that's more honest. Um, but but how do you try to do that? And it, it, yeah, how do you make that happen in your world? First of all, balance in this case is uh, it's almost always used as a noun. And I look at it more as a verb. You're, if you think about balancing, like on a, if you've ever seen those balance boards in a, in a gym or back in school when you had to try to balance on the balance beams or anything, you never achieve balance. You're always just balancing, right? Correct. Moving. If you could achieve balance and stay there, that would be, that would be wonderful. But I've never seen anything in life that can actually stay balanced because the earth's moving and we're moving and everything's always moving. Um, so it's the act of balancing, first of all. But I agree with you on the, on the integration part too, because it doesn't ever feel like, well, now I'm working and now I'm at home and now I'm this. It's like, especially as an entrepreneur, it's I'm doing all of it all the time. Like, especially now, like the, you know, I still have to run the kids to the doctor once in a while and I have my own doctor appointments and I have other things to do. And I might be working at six o'clock in the morning one day and six o'clock in the, in the evening the next day. And I'm just constantly rearranging everything to sort of make it all work together. I don't really separate the two. And for me, even though I have this physical space that I own and I run and I have to sometimes be there, um, I'm kind of free because of my team and the way that we set up the business. I'm actually free to float. So, you know, I work all over the place. I'll be in a coffee shop one day in my, my basement uh, lair the next day, you know, um, I'll be at, at Sparkspace in a conference room the, the following day. And so it's, it's just ever flowing. And I just kind of feel like you have to, in some ways, just sort of let it flow and not try to divide it up so much. That's what works for me. The other thing is don't work all the time, you know, like it's really hard for an entrepreneur to not work all the time because it's always on your mind and you're always thinking about what else you could do or how you can make it better. Um, for me, since we have a physical space, I'm always looking at artwork and furniture and all kinds of stuff. In addition, what can I create next? What can I create in this next? Space? Yeah, how yeah. can I build the next one? And uh, and like we're in this awesome studio here today, and I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Like it's inspiring me to think about space again. So it's hard to shut it off, but I think you have to. You have to have other things that you're interested in, and I've traditionally been really bad at that until the past few years. I've been getting better and better at disconnecting from work a little bit more. What's the really the most impactful lesson do you think that you've learned in this journey in this time from DJ service in high <laughs> school to, you know, this owner of this inspiring space that will be growing and author talking about, you know, your super powered life. Wow. Oh, man, there's so many lessons. Like there's something I want to say about connecting the dots backwards. Like you can only connect the dots backwards. You, you can rarely connect them forwards. Uh, so don't try so hard to connect them forward. That's, that's one thing, but I think, and it's kind of where it's led me in my work so far is that out of everything that you do, it never lose your authenticity. Um, do everything you can everything in your power to try to be 100% authentically you. Don't put on a mask. Don't try to be something you're not. Don't try to go down a path that's not right for you. 
And we instinctively know these things along the way and we get sucked into what the world says we should do or what some people, what mom and dad say they should do or what, you know, their friends or family think they should do. And I just think you got to do what's right for you. Be, be you, you know, it's the be you everybody else has taken idea. Um, so, you know, my basic philosophy and the philosophy of the book is, you know, be a hundred percent you as much as you possibly can love who that is and then make a difference with that person. Nobody else. That's all you need to do. Mark Henson, chief imagination officer at Spark Space and author making a difference in our community. So thank you for coming in and joining us today. Thank you. This was fun. Yeah, it was fun to talk with you. And again, his book, Ordinary Superpowers, Unleash the Full Potential of Your Most Natural Talents. And you can find them online. Learn more about Spark Space. So thank you guys for being with us today. And if we have entertained you, if you've learned something today, it's all good. We hope you've taken away some things. Uh, Let us know by dropping your ratings and reviews. Five stars, of course, would be amazing uh, because that really helps people find our show. Speaking of SEO and all that good stuff, uh, when you review, people find us. And we read your feedback, too, and value your ideas as we plan future shows. CBuzz is produced in collaboration with Capital University and is recorded at Capital's Convergent Media Center. So we want to thank their talented students, faculty, and staff for helping bring this program to life for our listeners. I'm Michaela Hunt. Thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.